What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 328. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And as always, I'm joined by... Rob. And John. <laughs> I feel like the syllables just like... Ron and John. Like that single syllable just fires. Yeah. Yes. Man. Oh, man. How are you guys doing today? Pretty doing good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Feeling good today? Good. Yeah, man. Ready to talk some movie schmovie. Yeah. I miss you guys, man. Like it, it it's crazy. Like I know that there are people that don't love this as intensely as you two. So sometimes I'll experience something and I'm like, God, fuck, I want to talk to Steve and John about this. No, I, I I just am so addicted now to being able to do this that like yeah. when when I saw uh, a movie we're gonna talk about later, the new scream, um, I was walking out of it. And I was already like irritated that I kn- I knew I didn't know anybody who had seen it already, and so it right. was like I can't even I can't talk about this movie, you know. But I, so yeah, so this show has definitely definitely spoiled me. <clears throat> yeah, well, thankfully we have our little text thread that we can do with some conversation. Right, yes. right. I love it. Uh, I love that's it. our that's our our bridge there. But I guess. listeners should know we're total nerds about it. We we like save it for the show. You can feel us holding back beyond like we make like yeah. b- brief comments, you know, but we don't. Uh, we don't spill all the beans, so yeah. One of one of us will always catch it and be like, "We should save this for the show." Yeah. <laughs> when, it, when it starts getting too deep, it's like, "Yeah, yeah. we should put a pin in that because this is better right, for the right. show than this text yeah. thread." But yeah, man, we're gonna go over a couple things. Like John mentioned, we're gonna kind of uh, Ronald hasn't seen Scream yet, but we're gonna have a special guest on later this episode. Uh, friend of the pod, Lauren, is gonna call in and join us uh, to discuss this this new entry in the Scream franchise. Just came out last weekend. And uh, before we get there, though, we're going to kind of go over a couple, I guess, the more current events, more news items that have popped up since last week. Um, and I think just before screen, we're going to talk a little bit about the new Peacemaker series on HBO Max, which uh, came out last week and is or two weeks ago last week. Um, Started last week with it? three episodes. Last week with three episodes. Right, it came right. out with its fourth episode when we're recording this, right. but yesterday, if you're listening to this, and then sure. it's going to be weekly from here on out. But we've seen we've seen a little bit beyond that, so we've seen a little bit more of the shape of things to come. So we can right, right. So talk about we'll get that. to that in a moment. But um, I guess news wise, like anything that's popped up here, I know Ronald, you wanted to mention uh, maybe a trailer that came out in the last week. Yes. Uh, so the Moon Knight trailer for Disney Plus has premiered. Starring Oster, Oscar Isaac. Um, oh, and I guess before um, I get deep into it, uh, rest in peace to the gentleman that passed away, um, who was supposed to portray, uh, portray uh, the villain, one of the villains in Moon Knight, a French actor. Um, don't get me to try to uh, pronounce his name, but it was recently announced that he died in a ski accident. And I just want to say rest in peace. It, you know, we're going to see this guy in this one season and probably won't see him in the second. And God, man, what a weird thing to hear right on yeah. the heels of right as the trailer came out. This man was, you know. Yes. Yeah, is, is it Gaspard Uliel? I mean, or or, Liel, like or Uli yeah. or something. Maybe it's Gaspard Uli. Anyway, I don't know. It's spelled like Gaspard Uliel. But uh, yes, we're, we're, we're terribly sorry for not. We don't mean any dishonor to the man by... Uh, 
by uh, mispronouncing his name. But yes, he's an actor who had a couple things lined up when, you you know, I think another movie that has been shot and another movie that was in pre-production. So at least one more thing from him. But it sounds like he finished all of his work on Moon Knight. So at the very least, you know, maybe between that and, and the movie, he at least got to complete a couple of, you know, big things before, oh, before his passing. But it was a very freak accident. It was a collision with another skier. Yeah. Um, and the other person was injured, but basically all right, was my understanding. And he just happened to hit this other person in such a way that it, yeah, caused mm. fatal injuries. So, but yeah, I just want to acknowledge that beforehand. I did, you know, I didn't mean to no. bring down the room, but well, no, people might know him from uh, uh, the Hannibal Rising film. He played Hannibal in that movie. That's the one place I knew his name from, but I don't think I even saw that movie all the way through. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about the Moon Knight trailer to maybe kind of steer out of the. The, the downer side of that story. Um, I, I thought it was an interest. I thought this was the first, I mean, definitely the glimpse we got before of this show did not have as much style and as much of a cohesive right. feel to the footage we were seeing. This really felt like a confident thing that they're selling us, whether once again, it's going to feel like it's got that familiar Marvel feeling, or if it's going to stick to this kind of dark, almost horror movie vibe that the that the trailer is selling but i like that aspect of a character who's experiencing fear surrounding what's whatever's happening to him you know and right. i think oscar isaac we've, we've always known he's really good it looks like a good character for him to really kind of strut his stuff so you know i'm I mean, excited same man this looks like an extended theatrical movie like this the production value on this thing looks insane and i think that's the first thing that i thought about when i saw it and then also kind of what i was expecting for everything you know just for everything to look like this i'm like god this looks like this could come out in the theaters whenever the you know whenever the uh, release date is march 11th or 12th or um March, yeah. no, March 30th, March, 30th. March. Okay. March 30th. Yeah. It is at the end of the month, but yeah, but still that's I, very soon. I mean, honestly, you're kind of wondering where's that next hit of Marvel going to be coming from now that we know that, uh, Dr. Strange is coming out in May. We have to wait all the way till May for, for all a new way Marvel movie. but this is like that <laughs> thing. I, but I had, I did wonder like, surely they're going to throw something into this gap period in between. And the fact that this has got a little bit of a horror feel and that movie is supposed to have kind of a horror feel, you know, I think they do try to have these waves of, of like a vibe or a, a style as they're going through the, the way the TV shows interact with the movies. So I yeah. think, I think it's, you know, I like this idea. I've been wanting them for forever to kind of turn up that side of things a little bit, just a little bit of the Creepsville stuff. It's a fun, it's a fun avenue to plumb. Can you yeah, plumb an avenue? Like, is that a mixed metaphor? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> with it, I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll yeah. say yes. Let's just go with yes. Um, I was going to say, like, I, one of the things that stands out to me, like, uh, and I remember seeing them post about this, the, the two directors that, I, think, I guess it's two of the three directors that did the season, or the series, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who are, like, super exciting directors that I, I basically see anything that they've done. They did, like, Spring, they did Synchronic, resolution the endless if you've seen any of those movies they did an episode on this new netflix series uh for archive 81 um but they are very much in that same thing that john was describing very atmospheric horror you know some of it's a little sci-fi to to a certain extent um but it just seems like a really awesome pairing for what what this show looks like just in the trailer um beyond you know oscar isaac and ethan hawk being involved it just seems like you know um a nice, a nice matching up of uh, the filmmakers that are involved in in, in the show. Um, 
the other filmmaker I'm not super familiar with, Muhammad Yab, but uh, it looks like they're all all three of them are listed on all six episodes. I don't know exactly how that breaks out, but uh, Benton and Moorhead are really exciting filmmakers who who have a, some really cool stuff coming up. But to see them involved um, <clears throat> with the MCU in this series, um, it does make it feel. It, it, at least I feel like the impression I got is that this does look a little more cinematic, a little bigger, um, mm-hmm. you know, and what you get to see of Moon Knight and, uh, and Oscar Isaac's, you know, transformation into that character is exciting. And I mean, I love Oscar Isaac, love Ethan Hawke. Yeah. We um, should mention that he seems to be playing a character named Arthur Harrow, Harrow, I guess it's Harrow. Um, but it's, I don't, I forget what his, his super villain name was, but yes, it's a character that we now know a little bit more about what to expect from that character. But as with all these movies and shows, they take something from the comics and they kind of mutate it a yes. little bit into something that works cinematically. So there's no no telling what the story's really going to be. But as far as sort of a first level kind of villain to have a new a new hero fighting, um, this feels about right. But Ethan Hawke is also the kind of actor that it seems like you'd want to keep around. So I don't know. Yeah. You know, with this being a television show, you never know. Are they setting up like a multi season? storyline or are they gonna be kind of one and done is that how you attract someone like ethan hawk is by telling them you'll be off the hook in six six episodes you know so who knows (laughs) uh we'll see i mean uh yeah i don't know but it looks great man i mean i like uh you know there seems to be a lot of steam behind it so i mean it it seems like a pretty exciting property uh for marvel something something different again um uh and yeah i can't wait to see it man it looks great um hot hot second here uh while we're on marvel and thinking of things different from marvel uh we had a little bit of on our our text chat about uh, how ronald and i finally saw eternals yes um you know uh so i figured we could briefly uh rehash that i know john you had seen it when it was in theaters still and kind of went over you know how you felt about it but ronald what did you think of the eternals It was a disaster to me. It was <laughs> really? a, it was a really? fucking disaster. Yeah, I I had a hard time getting through it. Um, th- th- this is the thing, man. Like, I think sometimes um, people's emotional attachment to this this stuff and your opinion on something as a story sometimes have to be separate, right? Like, um, there's only so much of of the, the 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 fanfare that you have for something that can affect like if it's not good it's not good to you and i've been i've been met in this weird space where like i'll express like i'm a huge fan of the mcu but there are things that have come out in the past couple of years that are just not for me mm-hmm. and when you express it it seems to be to be attached with people's feelings about this stuff collectively like i'm not saying that the moment you had with avengers steve is any knock on how shitty i thought this movie was like it's right. just i didn't like it I, I from start to finish it was one of the hardest things i've ever digested and in, hmm. in, in motion and it sat it sounded good it looked good but it also was very generic to me and it, it could have another director could have taken i love some of the ideas about um feminism and and the role that some of the characters had and some of the some of the like plot points that get subverted you're like oh it's it it feels like a, another movie would have did this but you know this movie's doing that 
that still didn't win me over. Um, yeah. And I'm still not convinced. Well, I do think it's, it's interesting that like it is it it, it was it was a wild thing that like we've talked all along about what's going to be the movie that's going to break the kind of Marvel spell. And yeah. like here was the movie and also oh they should do more different things and they should work more with filmmakers and let them do their thing. And here right, was yeah. a movie that was a different thing and it's it's Chloe Zhao who was, you know, in the midst of making this movie became an Oscar winning director. And like it's just wild to me that the movie that broke the Marvel spell was the movie where they did all the stuff that on paper people have been wanting them to do you know but i do think and i I wouldn't even say that it's like i don't know i think that i think that where you fall with this movie is going to fall and i i I said something similar when i talked about it before that to me it was better than the hype of worst marvel movie ever to me it was way better than that but i do like the ideas in it and i actually thought the kind of generic execution of it was one of the things that kind of made it feel like a a c plus movie to me rather than the usual range that marvel movies are in but i think that where you fall with this movie is going to kind of land on like how much are you going to like how much are the ideas and the kind of subtle feel that this is a little bit different? How much is that going to appeal to you versus how much are you in the Marvel thing for like, for these to actually be great movies. And I think sometimes when you're like, like I sometimes watch a horror franchise or I'll watch any, like if I'm part 10 of any franchise, you know, I'm like, I'm in it for the franchise. So I'm kind of looking for the little things to pick up and enjoy from this thing. I don't have to sit down and obsess about the Eternals. You know what I mean? Like I can, Marvel's even got something, they had Spider-Man coming right up behind it. So it's like, uh, it's a funny thing to me that this was the movie that kind of broke the spell. But I also think that the reason it broke the spell is because I think you said it in our text thread, Ronald. You just didn't think it was executed well. I I, I don't think it was so much executed badly as I think it was executed in a way that was not like it. It felt felt like a risky property, and and then when you went go to see it, you realize they didn't figure that out. You know what I mean? That it, it was just as risky as it seemed from from a mile away. Yeah. That it was a lot to sell to an audience. There's a lot of dialogue that's like selling this world and the scope of this thing. And you might find it really interesting, but it's certainly not. The kind of Marvel movie where you feel that I mean, I was in the a reasonably crowded theater when I saw it, and I didn't feel that swell uh, that I felt when I saw Shang Chi, which was you know around the same time in terms of theaters, how many people were yeah. in the room. So yeah. anyway, I, I, I don't know. I think even even enjoying it and appreciating things about it, I, I I felt that that lack of like of a of execution or something that that may, usually when you're watching one of these great Marvel movies, you feel that momentum of oh yeah, this is. This movie is really firing on all cylinders. I don't think this movie ever felt like it it arrived at that sure of a tone. I don't think, you know, like kind of like what you were getting at before in terms of like what people want Marvel to do uh, with the movies uh, in the MCU. I think the I think the probably the biggest failure is that I feel like it tried to do all those things in in a movie. Right. And I think it just and that really did kind of, you know, cut it off at the start that it really I don't think had any chance of like you know, getting into a sweet spot where like these things were really firing properly in terms of the story, in terms of these uh, this massive cast that you're introduced to, and like you kind of get these little morsels of backstory. I just think that you don't have enough an opportunity. You don't have enough opportunity to really truly latch onto anything in the movie, and I think At that all. that is the biggest disservice. And I think in general, I kind of probably line more up with Ronald. Like I, I definitely. I, I kind of kicked off the conversation on our text thread. Like I, I was really having trouble getting through it in some ways because I think that was what was happening was like, I was trying to latch on to the characters in the film and then the characters like would go away for a long time or, yeah. you know, or the focus of the story would, would, would move from 
you know, one to the other when you think you're supposed to be following one character. And I, and I think it just suffers from this, like, too and, much And certain actors on. fare better than others in this oh, movie, too, sure. as far as, like, yeah. Who, yeah. who sells it. And it's not necessarily the people that you would think. Like, there's some people that you recognize to be pretty good actors who feel a little yeah. flat in this. Um, yeah. Another interesting thing, too, is, okay, so the reason why this is especially interesting is this year, just this year, just the year that this came out, we had a story that was told from a Bible-thick <laughs> level text that was right. simplified in a way that was way... So first and foremost, let's get this very clear. Eternal's story is not as complicated as Dune on any level. It doesn't have as many moving parts. And yet, I watched a thing that was drawn from this text that I understood most of the time. I understood most of Dune. Right. Uh, they pointed out connections to things, things that were kind of further away they they explain this will not be kind of a thing that we talk about now but all those people over there we'll get to them at some point it handled all that right. stuff well and that's what frustrated me a little more because i just watched something that was more complicated explained to me simpler but also dune gave itself the task of telling a half the story of that as opposed you're to right. what you're right the eternals did which is like try to cram yeah, right. all of this like literally <laughs> right. when you're when you're talking yeah. about cutting to more characters they literally have to introduce a, like 11 characters in this so thing fast. and yeah, try, and try to give them their moment but you but you never feel that like that i don't know you don't feel the cohesion of like a team or a family you kind of you kind no. of understand from the way they talk to each other that there's like a relationship there but you don't yeah. feel like like that warmth or character that you normally get and and i can say well maybe you can some of that is on the fact that these characters are a little bit outside of the human experience, so they might be a little quirky and a little alien, but that yeah. still doesn't answer that question of what you're talking about, Steve. What, why is there so little for you to grab onto and yeah. follow? Like, there isn't that point of view character or, I don't know, not that you necessarily always need a, a person that's the total point of view character, but usually Marvel usually Marvel delivers that, like gets the, finds a way yeah. to hook the audience in. And this time, you know, they had, they had a lot of free floating moments that weren't really connected by like a human story. It's almost like yeah. an experiment that failed in a lot of ways in that respect. I think yeah. so. I think so. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a complete failure. Uh, you know, like no. I, there are some things in it that I thought were interesting and, you know, a couple parts of the film that I thought worked pretty well. Uh, but it's just, it's just very, it's, it's, it's way too bloated and, uh, especially for the, how like kind of big the idea is, you know, to, to, to marry that to the idea of like having a massive cast of people that you're supposed to know and know who does what and why and all this, like, you know, it's, it's just, it just didn't work for me. I don't think, I mean, I, I don't know that it's my least favorite MCU film. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. I have to think about that, but um it's, you know, it doesn't benefit from coming between, you know, Shang-Chi and uh, Spider-Man. So that's for sure. Um No. But yeah, I don't know. But you know, uh, I, I was going to say, but it's interesting like, that Marvel can have an also ran. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that you know the comparison to Dune is not accurate. Like because I don't think that the Eternals ends on like a, you know, there, there's no intent to continue telling this story here. You know that we just don't know the other side of the story. And obviously, the movie ends on a pretty big, uh, not cliffhanger, but you know that definitely sets it up for way more of the story to tell. Yeah. Um, but. Um, I do, I do think that you know, not being familiar with Dune at all, even if it is half of the story, 
the half that was told, I'm I'm right to the point where I want to know more about the story. Where well, I'm, I'm not going back. I'm not like for me. I'm not like saying they're unambitious. I'm saying Dune is a more like properly paced movie. If you're going to introduce that kind of big mythology, they don't sure. try to cram so much in. Yeah, they don't, try, they don't try to show you everything. I almost feel like that urge to try to show you everything in the Eternals might be based on like an insecurity about the. Like they were feeling that, you know how Marvel retools and reshoots and re-edits. I bet that they, they yeah. tried they tried to put as much like eye popping stuff as possible into this thing because they were trying to make sure that it had all these big ideas. But also it is interesting the Chloe Zhao part of it is something that's just like, you know, like you know, maybe yeah. these you know, it's a little bit like Ava DuVernay with uh, Wrinkle in Time, you know, that the, these directors that we love they get a chance to take on some of these big kind of fantasy films. Yeah. They don't they don't always have the right style to to match their ideas with this kind of genre stuff sometimes they overcome it and sometimes they they get kind of stuck in the mud of of trying to make like a in both cases it's a disney film right <laughs> so yeah, right, anyway true. i don't know how auteurist they let anybody be also the the 3d models that the the enemies that they had it's like they went to like a reddit thread and they were just like, "Hey, what are 3D rendered aliens look like?" And and can I can we borrow these? And let's just make a couple color variations of these looking monsters. And then it's like they got Unreal Engine and they got the default aliens in the engine, right? Yeah, it just everything looks so damn. I I I should not look at something and be like, oh, I that's what I imagine that looking like. And I've never heard of this property before. I've never seen it before. I've never it shouldn't be that generic to me. I want to look at something and be like, holy shit, I've never seen anything that looks like that before. Yeah. And I feel like they have the resources to do that. Well, let's segue into Peacekeeper, Peacemaker, I should say. Because yeah. um because yeah. I think that um that's something that sometimes the like if you're gonna say who's who who can do the sort of give let someone have a style let a thing have its own vibe let a thing have a a look and a feel to it i mean as much as we might uh love the marvel stuff that house style really does kind of smother things and then you see something like peacemaker and it's got that james gunn feel and he brings that texture to it i even the action has a little bit more punch to it than the marvel shows in general and i was just thinking like what is this difference here that what, why is it that when dc Warner Brothers, whatever it is, when they let someone kind of go wild with the property, they seem to actually let them go wild with it versus the Marvel thing where it feels like, for better or for worse, everything is tooled so so finely. Because I think that, like, you know, talking about how the action and the effects and stuff look sort of uh, unoriginal to you in in the Eternals, that stuff should have been amazing to look at. It should have been like this crazy yes. sci-fi experience to see I this agree. Stuff. I agree. And so I don't know how, you know, like... How are you feeling feeling about Peacemaker as a show, but also just what do you think that difference is in terms of like maybe DCEU is not as cohesive, but maybe they the one thing they do is let people make a movie that kind of has its own feel. Yeah, I think it's like a it's like a double edged sword. Like their movies feel yeah, exactly. They, their movies feel like less cohesive or more more or yeah, way less than Marvel's uh, in terms of the aesthetic or just like you know the the quote unquote brand. And, you know, there's WB movies that are like, you know, not even in the DCEU, but are the DC characters even right now, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it does feel like that, you know, these filmmakers that they get to make these movies, you know, whether it's, you know, Patty Jenkins or Zack Snyder or James Wan or David Sandberg, like, or James Gunn, you know, like they, 
their movies feel like their movies, you know, where I feel like in the MCU, that's more of an exception. Like, you know, you have some like Guardians or like, you know, Ragnarok that really do feel like the filmmaker making them. Um, like it feels like the brand of that filmmaker um, where I feel like in the DC films, all the ones I just mentioned, I think all those movies kind of have a vibe that definitely still align with each of those respective filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and even like listening to interviews like James Gunn recently uh, in promoting Peacemaker, you know, he's like, you know, the most exceptional person to talk to about that mainly because he's kind of got a foot in both, uh, in both areas right now. And, um, you know, he compares them pretty similarly but, uh, you know, the DC part of it, he does kind of note, and I forget what podcast it was on, like top five or something, but he was talking about that specifically that, you know, even when you go back to the comics, the DC comics always felt more like they could be segmented off and have separate stories going and, you know, um, weren't as completely tied together as the Marvel comics were, which I don't have that insight, but he was describing it that way. Um, but him being an example, you know, and watching Peacemaker, you know, just after Suicide Squad came out, um, you know, those the, that film and this series is like, especially the series is like 110 percent a James Gunn thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like they it just reeks of his style and his music choices and his the way he shoots action and the way, you know, he, he did most of the episodes for the season. He wrote them um, all and directed right. yeah, most of them, right? Like six, I think, or five of them. Um, but man, yeah. I mean, in general, I, I am like straight up loving the, se- the, se- the series so far. And I haven't watched all the episodes that we've been given access to. But even up to the point of what's aired so far, if you're kind of getting up to episode four of the season, um, I am like 100% in on the character, the characters around him, the story that they have set up for him in this in this television series. Um, and you know, most importantly, the opening title sequence of the show is, is pretty exceptional. I mean, every time I see the opening title sequence, I, I catch something different in it, you know? Yeah, and so yeah, I watch yeah, yeah. for someone's reaction and I love, I particularly love, um, Harcourt and, uh, and, and Mern, is that his name? Uh, when, when, when they come yeah. out dancing that, that it's the herky jerky style of the dance is just so funny to me. It seems to really be based on like what kind of dance could a guy like John Cena do, but then yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. everybody doing it. And you can see that some people are still able to bring a little bit more to it. And then there's like my favorite shot in the whole opening sequence might be the shot of the cops. Cause they get a nice little moment to do <laughs> yeah. this cool little three little of them strut, kind of yeah. strutting together, but it's yeah, just yeah, so yeah. fun. And it's like, it gives, James Gunn said something about how he loves his actors and he loves his characters and he wanted to give even the background or, or minor characters m- moments that felt special for the actor and for the audience to remember them by. And I just yeah. see that all over the show, but t- particularly how in that dance sequence, you know, it takes you a few episodes before everybody that comes out dancing feels like they have, a, on, yeah. they have a place in your mind and that you know why they might be in the opening sequence. But you also Definitely. see how this is a show that changes its status quo already in the episodes we've seen. So, you know, someone might be in the opening credits after they are dead on the show. I mean, it, it's an interesting thing to do an opening sequence like that. But I love that he said his motivation was he didn't want anyone to ever hit skip intro uh, going into his show. So um, I don't know. I just think that's a that's a it's a very James Gunn way to get you into this thing because it almost seems like it should be too goofy and it should break the the feel. But it, it really more sets you up yeah, for that everybody on this show is on the same page and seems to be 
you know, digging this this kind of tricky vibe, maybe. It's like James Gunn's humor is a little bit bro-y, and it's a little bit nerdy, and it's a little bit, like, subversive, and he still has a little bit of that trauma stuff going on, and he's definitely going for shock value. Um, but he clearly really values performers who are willing to show vulnerability, and the way that he seems to be discovering everything he can get John Cena to do, and everything that John <laughs> Cena can do, really feels like I can understand why he started sparking on the idea of this show, because John Cena seems game for for anything James Gunn wants, and he seems, I don't know, I, my, my estimation of his actual you know, talents as an actor have grown watching some of the, the tonal shifting he has to do to make this, to make this show work. Um, plus I love vigilante. Uh, how are you feeling, oh, Ronald? What, what's your um, peacemaker take? So I've been watching a lot of James Gunn interviews and James Gunn has been saying something that's been drilled into my head. One of them is that, uh, Alan Moore was originally going to, he wanted Watchmen to be instead of comedian, he wanted that role to be, uh, peacemaker and he couldn't because of some conflicts so he created these characters around that you know Watchmen's one of my favorite comics ever written it's 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 perfect to some people but it gives you an idea of what kind of person peacemaker is right, right. Or, or was let's say was um and seeing this uh evolution of a man who is it's really just a tale about family and relationships and you know how what your parents make you into sometimes you know unknowingly sometimes knowingly sometimes unknowingly and the dynamic you have with 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 a with a parent i mean specifically a father and the the way that this is tackled is done in such a cool way that this doesn't even feel like a comic book show sometimes and it feels like more of a dissection of what trauma can do to you, what relationships can do to you and how they affect your perception of yourself. And when you're around people who don't have that investment in you, that version of you that was a kid, how you can blossom mm -hmm. in whatever direction. That's beautiful. That's a fucking comic book show we're talking about, right? And the fact that it has that scope of emotion, um, is a testament to how good it is. I I, I don't want to throw the M word around yet. I'm gonna have to see the season finale, but it's feeling like <laughs> it's feeling like a masterpiece. It's feeling like a, a I'll say a, a master stroke. I was just about to say it's a master stroke. I don't know that James Gunn's. I think Guardians of the Galaxy might still be and forever be his. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the first there, one. Man. You know, I mean, it's just it's this. It is so much, and it's set up so much. But I feel like once he did that, he's been able to play at this level where if you like James Gunn and you know what he's doing, he's yeah. generally going to do a pretty good job of delivering those jokes. The, the, yeah. the heart you're talking about, the, the real sort of, he really seems to want to address problematic people and what it means to like overcome your worst side. And, you know, um, yeah. like uh, Rocket Raccoon is a step towards Peacemaker. You know what I mean? We've yeah, got all yeah. these characters he's done before that are like a step right. towards this ultimately like regretful, kind of broken, angry guy who like, and, and I love the way that the characters around him um, 
you know, diff- have different ways of reacting to his essential kind of humanity. But as the show rolls along, especially I think in the next couple episodes that air, um, there's really like, you feel that family bond. And it's very similar to the way it felt in Guardians of the Galaxy when everybody sort of says, let's die together, you know, and yeah. it's this moment of family. Like there's a moment in a car ride where they're listening to a, a song um, and everybody's yeah. getting into it. That that then later a character sends a picture from that moment out to everybody and you see everybody reacting to that on their phones and having like a little smile and it's like when do you see that in a comic book show you know i mean i don't know i think all these things we're we're basically saying the james gunn element is it runs strong in this and i believe steve you said it very well you said he has a very clear vision uh when he makes stuff for characters and for story and uh you know it doesn't feel too much like it's on rails. You do feel the shape of this story. Like once it gets to episode four or five, I did go, oh, I kind of see what a season of this is going to be. It's not going to be this breakneck show. The first couple episodes are really crazy and wild. Then it kind of settles into a more more show-like pace that we're familiar with from serialized television shows. But yeah, it still thematically is really strong. And mm-hmm. if you like James Gunn, I don't know. I, I feel like we said this about Suicide Squad. Um, this is... Yeah, uh, even more heart uh, than that. But um, I like how it even tries to, like, it even pays homage to that moment, like, when that movie ended and I heard this show was coming out and I said, I don't know that I want to see this character that much more. This show seems to, like, it's coming out of the gate trying to answer why you should want to see more of this character. And, and, And showing him regret the kind of asshole he was in the movie is a key part of what made me go, okay, I can invest in this guy because I didn't like what he did, <laughs> you know? For sure. And, and if you, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. What we, we say, John? No, that was it. <clears throat> oh, and if, and if you had any doubt that this was connected to Suicide Squad, there are very specific things that are shown that make it very clear that it is connected to the world through some, I'm not going to spoil anything, some yeah. relationships between people, which I think is such a cool thing to do to say, this is, this is not on an island. This is very much connected to the world that you just saw in the movies. And you know what? I think this is a bigger thing than Guardians because Marvel doesn't, I mean, DC doesn't have the goodwill that Marvel has. And people, even within the DC community, are very, even super fans are very finicky about their properties. I've heard people slander Shazam and and many other films that have come out. And the lack of consistency really does kind of leave DC fans um, on a fence about anything that comes out, any property that comes out. It had so much more to, to win over. It's so much more scrappy in that way because it doesn't have a built-in audience. I have a lot of friends. I've talked to like 10 people that have reached out to me that don't watch DC, that aren't connected to it. That's like, man, I watched that John Cena show not knowing that it's connected to Suicide Squad or anything. It, which is really cool, man. And yeah. I think that that is the genius of this one. That is so much more to prove because it doesn't have the established audience that Marvel does. But well, see, but I I want to challenge that a little bit because okay. because okay. Guardians didn't have a built-in audience. Everyone talked about what a gamble it was. It looked stupid that there was a talking raccoon and a tree in it. So I think that I still think this is just something James Gunn does well. Is like yeah. pick pick oddball characters to you know and like, yeah, like he, in retrospect that seems like such an obvious winner. But at the time, people were saying like no way, yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah this yeah, movie's yeah. going to be the this movie's who are these characters? Um, I, I think what you're saying that's really interesting though is adapting that to television. This is something where James 
James Gunn is is entering this world of television with a lot of swagger that you don't normally, I don't know, like there's a confidence to this show that just like I instantly thought it was a more fully formed thing than any of the Marvel shows, like aesthetically and just how it landed with me. It just felt more... I mean, it reminded me of Ash versus Evil Dead, actually, it, 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 just because of how much it just delves into the world of a character. And like the world of this show is the mind of this character, you know? So you're going into Peacemaker's world. You're spending a lot of time with him sitting around dancing in his underwear to heavy metal records. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. it's similar to the way in Ash versus Evil Dead, you spend a lot of time with just what a low life Ash, the character, was, you know? So <laughs> so I don't know. I think that um, that kind of, this is a cool way to sort of spin on the, the you know, the anti-hero prestige television show. But James Gunn is like saying, all right, I'm going to, he he compared it to Better Call Saul in some interview that I, yeah, that I, I saw read, that too. where I was like, okay, just the fact that he would even have that reference point means he's he's on the kind of interesting journey you're talking about, Ronald, where it's, it's a very soulful story, you know? It's yeah. not... Yeah. It's not a flashy story for its own sake at all. It, it seems like he's like actively doing what you just said, like in the sense that like, you know, if he's given an option, he's always picking, you know, the underdog or like the lesser known property or the one where the, the, the expectations are like against it from the jump, you know, because I think that's really where he enters the conversation and says, okay, well, let me show you really well-developed characters and a really strong story and show you, how that can make you care about something that you laughed at to begin with. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's like, you know, the, the thing about guardians, the thing about why would we have a peacemaker show? And then you get three or four episodes in and you're like, I, I didn't know I wanted this show. Like I, you know, it's like, I, yeah. I would have never thought that, yeah, this would be the one that I'd, I'd say spin off, but everybody's game. The cast is great. And um, I mean, among maybe one or two other shows right now that I'm watching, it's probably my favorite thing that I've watched recently, like on TV at least. Yeah. Um, and just be, because mainly we've had the opportunity to see a, a few extra episodes. Um, but yeah, I know it's, it's, on a, it's airing on HBO Max now. Like we said, there's four episodes out at the time of this podcast and there's going to be eight episodes total. So, you know, it's another month or so of the show. Um, and uh, maybe there'll be more seasons of Peacemaker. We'll see. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, he, James Gunn just announced that he has another DC TV project coming like a week ago. What yeah. the hell is that? I'm glad that he's in, though. Yeah, I'm glad no, that me he's too. Just keeping busy. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think um, we, we we have somebody to bring in. Yeah. Don't we? I think we do. Um, and you 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 could probably see more than Ron and I can. Is, is there somebody there? Yes, there's somebody, somebody here. waiting to join. <laughs> I'm going to uh, click the admit. They've been patient, I suppose, but I I, I didn't yeah. know if maybe there was some texting going on behind the scenes, uh, letting them know that we were finishing up a segment. But I can just click admit. I'm sure we'll... they're just busy watching TikToks, waiting for their turn. All right. Well, I'm oh, going okay. to click admit then, and we'll see what happens. <clears throat> Brian is connecting to audio. Yeah, this would be um. This would be our special guest, <laughs> Lauren, uh, but labeled on the screen as Brian. Well, you know, because, Brian um, is a nickname for Lauren. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. call him. We, we call her Brian all the time. Hey, 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 Brian! Hi, guys. Hello. I miss you. Yes, it's been too long. <clears throat> it's been too long. Yeah, like two years too long. Two, <laughs> it's been two years since yeah. COVID. I mean, COVID. Yeah, Jeez. we haven't gone Jeez. anywhere. Jeez, it's ruining my life. Welcome back, Lauren. <laughs> Thanks. 
there's, there's always a moment uh, in, in, in movie uh, in the movie life world or whatever we call this, where it's like, this is a moment where we have to ask Lauren to come back on. And it's usually yeah. yes. maybe like anything really horror heavy, maybe, maybe a Stephen King thing, but always a scream thing. So, yes. um, you know, it's last possible week, I invited maybe, myself. Yeah. Well, What's you know, I, I, we, we've had conversations yeah. prior, but yes, yeah, she did. Yeah. She did try to invite herself immediately when we saw the movie. <laughs> um, but that we, we had you, we had you already set up almost. Um, but yeah, so Scream, the new entry, the, the fifth movie in the franchise, but just called Scream 2022 or however you want to call it. The, yes. the, the, the requel attempt that um, is so popular now with so many franchises where they're just using you know, or a lot of them are using the same name as the original property. You know, it's either a direct sequel, like the Halloween uh, requel was with uh, David Gordon Green, but um, who who this coming fall will be into their third film in their own trilogy of Halloween films. So I don't know what's to come of the Scream franchise that we're going to talk about now and this new iteration, maybe a new trilogy. I don't know. But last Friday, the new film uh, Scream came out. Um, we've got some new characters, new cast some legacy characters, legacy cast members. And this one is kind of uh, put out by the guys in Radio Silence. So two, uh, Chad and Matt, uh, oh, no, 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 Tyler and Matt directed it. And then Chad's one of the producers. But these are the guys that did Ready or Not. And they've done a couple of the uh, sequences in some of the VHS films. Most people probably know them from that or Ready or Not. But right. somehow they got involved with the Scream franchise. And I'm, you know, from the announcement, I was really excited for it. But um there's a lot to talk about now. I don't know how we want to handle this in terms of spoilers and Ronald hasn't seen it yet. So Ronald's going to put on some earmuffs here in a moment. Um, but how, how do you got John? What do you think we should do? Should we like do any spoilers or should we, uh, I think there's to the end or what I was going to throw it to, uh, Lauren, especially because I feel like there's ways to talk around the ultimate spoilers, but since this is sort of the, the back end of the show, why not sort of do light to no spoilers at first and then Ronald can go into earmuffs mode, and then we can talk about anything that we just want to hash out. That because it's a spoiler, you know. I mean, there's definite spoilers yeah. to this movie that I just feel like I I, I don't want to have half the conversation. And then we can signal Ronald back in, and listeners will just know that there's a spoiler section starting. But do we, we want to come up with a cool hand signal or something that we the three of us will do in synchronization to get Ronald back onto the podcast? Well, I mean, we could all do a scream face. To let is Ronald that a screen face? I don't know. Isn't that the the, the Edvard Munch's the screen? Uh, but uh, but yeah. also we could we could all wipe the knife at the same time. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of yeah. Um yeah. yeah what's, we could do that. Ron, any preference, man? We're just kind of catering this to you right now. I like the screen faces. I okay. you know I'm gonna I I don't even want to. That see means what, John's gonna grab a screen. Because I feel like you're gonna use gestures speak. when you're talking about it. You're like at the part where and then. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to spoil it for you with the <laughs> you know, gesture. So maybe you yeah, should yeah. put some blinders on too. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna disappear and then just <laughs> message me when you're ready. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna disappear for a bit. Well, I'll start the I'll start the non-spoiler stuff. So you can hear some comments about this movie, right, Ronald? Okay. But but not we won't get into plot stuff. Now okay. I I listened to the episode, the last episode Lauren was on uh, today because that was the episode where we did all the the scream movies. I think that was the last time you were on. Was that mm -hmm. not? We did yeah. all four in one episode, and at the end of that one, we all totally agreed without even thinking about it that our ranking was one, two, four, three in terms of the quality of the Scream films. I just want to ask Steve and Lauren, where do you put Scream 5, Scream 2022 in that ranking? Probably right after two. Hmm. I, oh, wow. I think. 
Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, probably the same for me. I mean, the like one of the things I want to bring up is like the more I kind of separate myself from the movie, like and, and ha- having seen it, a, you know, a few days ago now, like my expectations for it have kind of like I've been able to separate the two things, like what I was thinking they would do versus what the movie was that I saw. So then the more I'm able to do that, I feel like the more and more I, I really uh, enjoyed the film, you know, and, and it's, it kind of rises higher. Like, I don't know that it would replace number, you know, scream two in my rankings, but it's possible that it could, you know, if I watched it, you know, a couple more times, but it's definitely probably, you know, in, in the top three of the five for me as well. I would what about put, you, John? I would put it at the end. I would put it last. But okay. but I think this is still this is like maybe the most like quality controlled horror franchise that there is. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it's in any incredible dishonor to say that this is my least favorite. <laughs> dishonor right. dishonor, that's my buzzword for this episode. I think I used it earlier. I, that's a very strong word. But I don't think it's a bad thing to be the worst scream movie. You know what I mean? Or my least favorite scream movie. But there's just the different things about this movie left me cold in a way that none of the others did. And I don't think it was so much expectations getting the best of me, Steve, but I did have sort of like I think that it wasn't like, oh, my expectation of what they would do with certain characters wasn't met. It was more like I got to the end, and it was after a couple of days, I started realizing how wasted I thought some mm. of the characters were and some of the returns were. And I definitely right. think of the returning characters, there's definitely one who has much more to do than the others. And yeah, and it really had this feeling that of like, just, oh, let's cut to the classic characters and then cut back to the movie. Oh, let's just cut to the classic characters off doing their thing and then back to the movie. And, right. and, and I don't know. I mean, there were so many different of the the requels. Like in, in the episode we did before about the screen movies, we, we were talking about what they would do in this movie. And we, yeah. we said they'll nod to elevated horror. We talked about how it was <laughs> a requel, that they might do requels. They might do this new legacy. Th- we, we nailed exactly what they were going to do with our little yeah. prediction. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. But it did have me thinking about how knowing that there's like a pattern for these things. It makes you think of other things. Like Dewey is definitely doing like a Han Solo in Force Awakens kind of riff of being like, you, you catch up to this character and he's had, he's had bad luck since the last time that we saw him. And I think just in Apparently, he has therefore a more interesting character to play than uh, than uh, Courtney Cox and and uh, uh, Nev Campbell. I'm going to disappear. I'm, right, I'm, I'm but that but, but that's about it. I'll just say I'll just <laughs> say that no no I'll just I'll just say much. no but the, I'll just wrap it up by saying that that would be my <laughs> issue would be that I don't know that bringing back these characters and and mixing with these new kind of bland characters I think that was the thing where <laughs> where, the, where the where the movie kind of left me cold like looking back there's only one thing the movie did that I absolutely hated and the rest of it was stuff that just I don't know it's almost like I could have predicted if you'd asked me who's the killer I would have guessed exactly how it went mm. so that's it ronald okay well, anybody want to say anything else spoiler light or are you just out of here ronald i'm out of here i don't <laughs> want to hear anymore <laughs> right. i'll be back uh yeah i mean i guess i guess my my thing was like in the moment or some of the things that i'm sure you're thinking john i, I definitely agree with and i think that you know my connection to this franchise is is like, you know, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, the first one. And I think that, you know, those characters that are that we get to spend more time with in this movie, um, specifically Dewey, you know, I, I feel like because, you know, you, you, you he has the most to do in this movie, like you're basically saying. And I think that like that kind of 
that kind of connection to that that those such well-rounded and like well-developed characters is, and you know in him and gail's relationship i think when you kind of put that up against the new characters that you're introduced to in the movie um that kind of does stand out to me as like you know i don't know that any of these characters the new characters really truly are all that exciting to me like i don't think that and and, and i you know ironically i think if i was going to say that any of them would be my biggest criticism i i, I think i'd enjoyed the the lead the the least uh the girl from in the heights um and i mean she's fine but i mean i feel like some of the characters around her like um like her like jenna ortega playing her sister and like um the 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 the, the, the twins i thought were more interesting um just in terms of their performance um now the lead character sam like she's kind of like holding some stuff back that you kind of learn through the movie and there's a bit of a change towards the, the third act of the movie for her but I, I just think that that's a comparison I can kind of probably align with is that I don't think that any of these new cast members really like hold a flame at all to any of the cast really in most of the other movies to my, you know, to be honest, like, yeah. I just think that they, um, you know, they kind of serve their purpose, but I mean, for the story, if this story continues and they do, you know, sequels of any kind, if they, you know, I know there was a plan for, you know, another trilogy for another film maybe, but I, I just, um, I, I would still be more excited to see our legacy characters, which I, I guess is maybe a slight failure uh, for this requel, you know, in terms of like making me love and want to see more of the newest cast. But um, I don't know. What, what, what about you, Lauren? I mean, what what's, I don't know, not to get too heavy into spoilers quite yet, but I mean, what uh, general takeaways, feelings, what, what, what's, what's, uh, where are you at? I don't, I don't think I have a, huge issue with most of the casting for the new the new people yeah i think if i was going to complain the most what what was the girl's name um i don't want to say who she was but like long dark hair what, what is it olivia or something like that live i can't remember uh, now oh uh, no I, um amber amber what sam tara amber anyway sam, Tara's sisters amber is tara's friend I'm not sure. She, they all have they all have dark hair, so I don't know what you're talking about. Well, there's the one who's the girlfriend. I would call her the girlfriend character. Is that who you're talking about? Her best friend. The main the Sam uh the little girl's Tara's best friend. friend. See, now this is the problem. Tara's these characters the, the, but, but but there's almost no evidence in the movie that these people are friends. You know what I mean? There's only one yeah. scene at the beginning where we see her worry about her and there's like, "Oh, sh she's friends with her, but I know that by name more yeah. than I do by Amber. action." And I think that is like where this movie misses that the other movies nailed was like that introducing this group of characters within a yeah. few minutes you got them in the first movie and in this even in the yeah. second movie. Um, I don't know. Go ahead, though. <clears throat> I, I feel like she was I, I feel like she was the least interesting to me. Like, obviously, she was very clingy to the one girl. But other than that, I feel like she was barely in the movie. But the rest of the cast was fine. I definitely like I feel like I, I like Steve. I like the twins the best um, of the new people. But I I feel like I went into it kind of knowing how I felt when I went and saw the, the fourth one and knew that, like, nobody's going to, like, do it for me like the old people do. Sure. Right. But I was willing to accept these new people into my life, basically. Um, but compare, but I do agree. Like comparing them even to the people in the fourth film, like I probably do think that that cast was a little bit like fresher, maybe. But um, I don't have like any inherent problems with anybody other than that one girl. 
Well, I mean, I think that's why I used the word bland and not bad. You know, this just felt, felt kind of like... That's right, yeah. Like when I was thinking about these movies again and listening to us talk about it, the the original movies, like none of us loved three, but we all agreed Parker Posey is fucking awesome in that movie. Yeah. And like steals the scene of, you know, time and time again. And it's like, there's nobody in this movie who who quite does that and then we talked ronald you know didn't like it you know we had varying opinions but then we talked forever about matthew lillard's performance in the first movie or timothy oliphant in the second movie or even randy meeks i just feel like this movie didn't give me anything new on that level that felt like oh yeah this is like this is and for a movie and i think that's especially bad for a movie that like throughout the movie is patting itself on the back for doing something different or saying, we're going back to the original, like the whole, throughout the whole movie, they're like saying, you got to do a spin on it and you've got to be fresh and original and you've got to show people that you know what made the original great, but do something new. And it's like, I don't know if they think they're doing that just because they have a character that's saying that, you know, it, it right. felt, it felt to me like they were congratulating themselves throughout the movie. And I was like, I never quite saw that fresh Ben, I guess maybe there's this meta comment that kind of rehashing is is the is the new is the new remake or the new reboot right. or whatever. Right, but, exactly. But, but they kind of made that point in the last one. Four was already talking about remakes and what do you do when you're when you're coming back to do something again, you know? In fact, right. I, I think even the word requel may have been in that movie. Anyway, I, I just think that like this movie, I, I guess that's the one thing, if I can say expectations got in my way, my expectation that they were going to do like in every interview, they, these people have some, this great take on this. And I just, my, so my mind was spinning out as to like what genius take they had. And that just didn't feel to me like it warranted talk of a, talk of a genius take. But I did think that like in the very beginning when she was on the phone and she was talking about elevated horror i, I thought yeah, yeah. are they gonna at least play around with this idea of like maybe what are the rules of that or i don't know like it would have been fun to see them at least try something you know that was brand new i also found that the kind of uh comment on toxic fan culture felt kind of wedged in and heavy-handed even though i sort of i liked that they were trying to make that point that you know that 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 was a, a motivating factor for for some of the characters but like i felt like that felt that was another thing that kind of just didn't land for me that felt like an idea they were trying to explore because that's one thing the screen movies have always tried to do is have an idea you know a genre idea or some kind of commentary to make but yeah it just didn't didn't feel fresh to me i feel like that particular thing was a little too much like we talked about the the fourth one like the motive being with you know wanting that insta fame and like that social media like rise of fame you know i, I think i feel like it's it's not the same thing, but it's kind of this, you know what I mean? Like it's got mm -hmm. that same vibe to it. So I get that. Yeah. I think like, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of, I, I don't, I kind of liked uh, like uh, the ways in which it was trying to comment on how the horror genre has changed or is changing still. And I mean, the, 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 the fan, the toxic fandom is like kind of obviously a part of that and every yeah. other genre of franchise blockbuster stuff, you know, like right. when we left, when we left the movie theater, I was like immediately talking to Lauren about like the Snyder cut and just like, you know, what all that felt like and, you know, that kind of motivation um, and how far people would take that obviously. But I don't know, right. like some of the comments, you know, and especially with the character that is like, you know, uh, I don't even remember her name, the, the, the girl, uh, who, one of the twins who was kind of like the, the, the expert at all this, you know, like she's like Randy's ne uh, niece um, that it's like, the ways in which the horror community has changed around the stab franchise. Like, I, I think the idea of 
I think the idea of the Scream franchise has now become a franchise that is commenting on horror film, but specifically about a horror film franchise in that world that is based on the events that we're watching in Scream, you know? Right. And I, I mean, I, I kind of like that, to be honest. Like, I like the fact that, you know, in the marketing for this, like people are like, what the hell is Ghostface doing with like a flamethrower and like a metal mask? And then you find out, oh, well, this is, this is a part of the motivation of this story is that like the stab franchise has spun off in a manner much like somebody would say like the saw franchise has, or, you know, some of these more modern franchises that have just become entry seven, eight, nine, and it really has nothing to do anymore. Or even Jason going to space or, or Freddie goes to hell or whatever, you know, Jason goes to hell too. Jason goes everywhere, you know, but it's like, but the, the, but those, but those are titles that would have come out around the time Screams commenting right. on these things. You know, like I'm talking about, you know, the gap between 25 years, and not that they didn't do it in two, three, and four, also. But I think the time between four and five, you know, the fact that eleven, what, eleven, how many years later, 11. like eight, eleven years yeah. later, you know, that some things have stayed the same, but some things have changed in the horror community. So, like talking about the franchise that we're saying now. Yeah, Freddy goes to sp- or Freddy goes to hell or whatever it was. Jason goes to space. <laughs> Jason, Jason goes, goes to hell. hell. You know, <laughs> Freddy. I don't know. It's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it it's just like that stuff is. There's consistency there because that that would be the, you know, the comparison to like Stab Eight or whatever they it is in the film. Um, but then you also have these conversations about you know our our opening ske- scene like with the 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 whole quote unquote elevated horror and like the. And the like very uh, like obvious attempt to separate those films from the the real horror community or you know the right. horror you know horror in general like the fact that elevated horror has kind of become another like a, a genre itself in some ways and that people like separate the conversations you know so I don't know there there in, in, in to that point I think that there is some interesting stuff in the movie that they're talking about personally but I do think it kind of. See, I think they kind of dropped it, it, that. I think it's cool that they brought that up, but I don't think they really picked that up. I think, th- you know, to me, that's what I what disappointed me was that they didn't do more than just talk about it for one second. Like, I would have liked yeah. to have seen them f- bring that, it's what, whatever that idea is, you know, through that character. But but I agree with you that in that scene, I was like, I was like really into it for maybe yeah. the first five or ten minutes. Even though by the end of that scene, I was like, boy, I'm, I'm kind of just watching someone be terrorized. And sometimes sometimes when that goes on so long on screen, I start to wonder, <laughs> why the fuck am I watching this? Like, why am I excited <laughs> to watch someone just be, you know, horrified and terrorized? But that opening scene was maybe one of the more successful parts of the movie for me, just because it did feel like they were trying to ratchet up the tension and they were trying to give us something yeah. a little bit new. And I don't know if you both were doing this, th- there was some really good framing of like waiting for something to walk past in the background or just, there were some big shots where she was like in front of two shadowy areas or whatever. That, yeah. yeah that opening scene was, Definitely. was, was pretty effective. <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I, the more I think about it, like, you know, there's definitely, um, it, it's, it's weird to say this because like, you know, you mentioned like, or we've mentioned the force awakens a few times talking about this, you know, the star Wars, um, with episode seven, but like, it's weird because that brings back these legacy characters and they're a part of the, where the story is going forward. And, and this is, this is kind of doing the same thing, just like the Halloween thing did or the Halloween requel reboot, whatever did. But it's like, it's weird because the biggest criticism of a lot of those movies, especially of force awakens, even though I love that movie, 
is that, you know, you fall victim to doing the same story again, you know, or, ba- mm-hmm. you know, uh, not, not beat for beat, but like the shell is like almost the same story. And, um, you know, that's a, it's, 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 a, it's a fair uh, criticism. I think like with the force awakens, I don't really totally agree with it, but I mean, I could see that being a concern here because in a lot of ways, they're kind of doing those beats in this movie. But in some ways, I feel like it's intentional. Like, I feel like that's a part of what they're saying about the idea of a requel, which we have this whole exposition scene about. Right. Like, they're commenting you know, on other requels, too. Not exactly. Just, not just horror exactly. movies. Right, right. And, and, and about how the idea is to change that story and make it something original, but by still paying attention to the, what like what kicked it all off. And, and in doing so, um, this this movie that they're in that we're watching uh, kind of becomes the the same thing almost. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I I really liked it. I don't know, man. Like I, I'm probably in the bag for it more, but I just I, I have my issues with pieces of it. But um, and and I mean, some of the criticisms I have are pretty big feelings. Um, but um, I don't know if you want to maybe talk a little spoiler uh, let's, real let's, quick. Let's do that. The one one thing I guess that's not really a spoiler that I'll say, this is the last kind of non-spoilery thought, is did, did do you think that the character being named Tara was a reference to, uh, is Tara home from The Strangers? Because, uh, you know, the screen movies are always full of, like, names that are references maybe. to stuff. But I, I, I really liked that. And I was thinking, like, have they ever really commented much on that movie? And I guess they haven't really i don't know but that one that one feels to me like you know i mean the home invasion aspect of that feels there's some ghost facey kind of aspects to the way they get terrorized in that movie just with someone who has has control over the surroundings that you you know you're trying to feel safe inside but anyway right um but in this one tara's home i was like did he say that on the phone i guess no he was asking for he was asking for her her her, mother her mother or was it her mother or her father um oh the mother right because he was pretending that he was like she thought maybe it was the new boyfriend for a minute there but yeah. Right. So anyway. All right. Um, that's that's it. So I guess, yeah, th- we already said where we think it falls. I mean, no one's saying this movie sucked. I'm just saying it left me a little cold. And uh, and I did say before, there was one thing I absolutely hated. Um, and I guess I'll th- we're about to go into spoilers. And I'll say what I absolutely what hated. The ghost of Billy Loomis. I didn't... I hated oh, okay. it. I just thought that was, like, so corny. And especially <laughs> Lauren, at the Lauren, end. like, leans over, like, so extreme is a ghost story now? Yeah, when he's like... <laughs> When he like gives her the thumbs up, at the, I mean, I, there was a little bit of humor involved in like your dad's goat, the murderer who was your dad coming back to like cheer you on to kill somebody. That feels kind of Dexter or something, you know. But yeah. um, and like I do think leaving at the end of the movie with this idea that maybe she's this person who could be a killer in the future that that yeah. feels like a fresh foot to put the franchise on, where it's like we might be following the killer next time or something. I don't know if they would do that, but. I, I just didn't like the... Like, when she first saw him in the mirror, I thought, is she going to see lots of characters from the past movies and it's all right. because she's fantasizing right. about them? And I thought, oh, maybe that's a cool way to get, like, a cameo for, for Matthew Lillard and Billy Loomis, you know, and, and Skeet Ulrich, I'll use his name. But I didn't know who else might come back. Um, and But then when it stuck, the, oh, this is her dad. And I, I don't know, that just felt really corny to me. And it felt... We, I think we talked about this with part three, the ghost of the mom. Like, it just doesn't seem to fit the world of this movie and it's sort of suggested that it's just in her head, but it, they they keep coming back to it. And in, even that ending note of him being like, you did good, baby, you know, I don't know. That just felt really like it just didn't fit in a Scream movie to me. 
So there you go. Did you hate Surprisingly, anything? I'm fine with that part. I'm fine with it. Like, I feel like the one in the third one with her seeing her mom was a different vibe, like actually a ghost story in with the story. This one felt more like, oh, this girl's crazy and she sees her dad. Okay. So I was fine with it. Can I say what I'm not fine with? I got, I like Do I'm, the, the motive. Like, I feel like I would be elated with this movie, especially with the emotional roller coaster that I was taken on during a certain scene. Like I need it. You're going to laugh at me. I follow this TikToker <laughs> that's a heart. Like she talks about horror movies and she had me convinced that Stu was alive and he would be the, one of yeah. the killers in this movie. So then I had myself convinced and I was like locked in on this, like Stu's alive. He's coming back. Like we've already seen Billy. All the legacy characters are back. Like I know something effed up is going to happen to a legacy character. This is going to redeem it. And this is going to be like the close of those characters. And that did not happen. So I am very, very heartbroken over it. <laughs> I can't like, I lost sleep over it that night. I text Steve the next morning. Like I can't get over this. Like I cannot get over the fact that this child and this slightly older child were the, the killers and that it wasn't Stu in some right. way. Right. Well, th there was even talk that that was supposed to be at a, there was a version of this movie where they were talking about bringing him back or where there was some plan to potentially bring him back. By the time they, I think we're going forward with the script, they had, they had weeded that idea out of it. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people sort of half expected that. The, the, there is a little Easter egg. I, I read about this. I didn't catch it in the movie that Kirby survived part four. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Kirby was another character that I really liked that I was yeah. like a little bummed that like another character who had the, the potential to be that kind of Randy Meeks-ish sort of like spirit Definitely. of the franchise kind of character. So I was a little right. bummed when she died or seemed to. So, I, you know, I think that is maybe setting up, oh, here's another legacy character they can bring back in another one. But yeah, yeah. the Matthew Lillard part of it, the Stu, like Stu surviving, I don't know. I think they could have made that work. It would have felt pretty melodramatic to bring him back, quote unquote, from the dead. But I think this franchise hasn't done that yet. So in a weird way, that would be kind of like a new meta thing for them to do, would be to say, we're going to have the, the quote unquote, undead, you know, killer, yeah. have some and, way and he comes back that's grounded, but still, essentially, he'd be coming back from the dead. And they kind of like, uh, and you know, the whole time we were watching it, because we, we, Laura and I saw it together, and it was like, they... I think they're aware of that expectation or that that possibility that people were thinking it would be Stu. I mean, because it, it, it is pretty open and Matthew Lillard was talking about it before, like where Scream 3, like they were supposed to bring Stu back. Like he was supposed to be one of the killers in Scream 3. Um, but that was like, I think, changed when Columbine happened. But um, I think, uh, you know, the way the movie starts and kind of plants these little breadcrumbs that make you think even there are, I think there are overt choices that like kind of make you think that it could, that Stu could be involved in this story. Um, and the biggest one is even that opening sequence where like the trivia questions are about the killers of the yeah. first stab movie. Right. And, you know, and, and Stu is left out of the answer, you know, of what this girl's aware of, of what the most people know about stab is that it was Billy Loomis and she doesn't say Stu and she loses the, you know, whatever. But I think that was a really interesting way to start that. And I mean, if it's a misdirect, I mean, I'd be I would love to hear the directors or the filmmakers talk more about that, because I, I know that's something that a lot of people talk about. And Lauren does send me these TikToks that she's talking about all the time. Uh, 
<clears throat> and the, you know, like five of theories. Day. Yeah. And these theories <laughs> are like, you know, interesting. And like, I, I gotta admit, like, I, I feel like that would have been pretty amazing um, for it to be, for it to have been Stu, especially uh, when, you know, when you consider uh, the fact that um, <laughs> the fact that Dewey dies in this movie. So, you know, and, I think that like our hashtag, instead of we, we mm. misspelled Dewey did it and we, we meant Dewey died. Dewey died in it. Yeah. Dewey died, <laughs> died in, in it. it. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, but, but, that one but no, listening to our last episode, you talk about your, you had like a word document that you had written yeah, laying this out. My theory. Yeah. And, and I told you at the time that I sort of hated it because I liked him as a virtuous good guy, but I also thought that a part five kind of thing to do would be to do that. And so I think maybe yeah. I did have it in my head that they were going to do something bold like that. Different. Yeah. And I, I, I wondered, yeah. was Steve feeling his hopes die as the movie was rolling along? Yeah. Um, because yeah. not only did, yeah, we it's, he does the opposite of doing it. He, he, he goes back in a very doomed fashion, like in a very, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we know this. That was another thing I thought was a drawback. Like, I would have liked his death to be more like a surprise or a fighting moment or something, but it felt like a march to the death because you just knew, oh, he's going to, like, this is not going to go well for him. But the way yeah. they played it as like an act of heroism and he's trying to go back and, like, learn from past mistakes. I thought that was kind of fun, but ultimately I, 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 it, like, it was a good death. Like it was, it was mean and it was looked painful yeah. and it was shot reasonably well. It's hard to imagine the character that supposedly did it. I think that's supposed that's to the be thing. the little, the little the more be... diminutive character, Amber um, <laughs> doing it, which yeah, is very strange. Impossible. Yeah. But, yeah. Impossible. So, that by any stretch of the amount, Stu more likely survived a 90s tube TV falling on his face than that girl <laughs> lifting up Dewey with a knife. I don't care how strong she is. I am a 37 year old woman. I could not lift one of you. I couldn't. And she is half my weight, probably. Like, absolutely yeah. not. Jack There's Craig no way. doesn't look like he could lift uh, uh, David Arquette either. David Arquette's kind of, no. he's kind of beefy, you know, relatively. So I don't know. There's a. Um, like uh, so, yeah. I, I thought that was like it was given the moment it needed. We were meant to feel the pain of it and all that. So it's not like they wasted him, but I do feel like they kind of half wasted Dewey by by that you know not being I don't know by being yeah. that person. See if it see that's what I mean. If it was <laughs> Stu, I feel like that moment would have been like a legacy character taken out by another legacy character. Like that would have been okay for me what if what if as he's dying he rips off the mask and that's when we find out that it's Stu? is like when he kills dewey that would i don't been know later. i might still need to need to find out that it's Stu. i don't know I, I guess i'm just i just want more out of that last moment of a character like dewey instead of just he's trying to be virtuous you know because this I'm, whole movie was him kind of trying to redeem himself and yeah i, I don't know why they necessarily need to ma make him that kind of a fuck up but i do think him being the one who stays behind and being haunted and sort of saying he, he and gail would never work out like because of that, that she can't be back in Woodsboro and he has to be back there. I thought that was another way I just was like, oh, this guy's going to die because they just explained how he and Gail, they aren't, aren't even going to have like a will they won't they thing anymore because it's like, yeah, that's when know. Steve leaned over and was like, Dewey's going to die. That, yeah. He like leaned over to me and told me, I'm going to be honest too. I probably need to rewatch the scene because I was crying so hard that I didn't see a whole lot of it. Like, I mean, I saw it, but like, Oh. I was really crying, like fully, like, remember when Leo won the Oscar like that, but not happy tears, <laughs> like doubled over. The opposite of that, yeah. yeah. Do you watch Sons of Anarchy or did you, John? No. 
Oh, never mind. I was going to make a comparison that was like a devastating thing. Yeah, don't but spoil it for him, Lauren. I will. I will. I will not. But <laughs> she she has a tendency was, of doing that. It was a very helpless moment for me in the theater watching Dewey go out like that. Yeah, but again, you you saw it coming, and you felt like, oh, okay, that's where they're going with this. But then I felt like, you know, at least and, and Gail and, and and Sid did have stuff to do in the final moments, but the rest of the time, it really did feel like they were even lit differently. Like it's like cut to them, and they're making little wisecracks or what? I don't know. It just didn't feel like it didn't feel like it was that merging of the new and the old that that was really gonna like again. I'm, it's a little bit expectation, but there was more just that yeah. there was something yeah. lacking that that I didn't that I didn't get. But I think you know, with the second viewing, I might appreciate some of the sort of setup and like you know the little hints. It's always fun to go back and watch these movies, knowing who the killers are, just to see the mechanics of things. Yeah. But I feel like in yeah. this movie, I already was thinking it just didn't work. And also the uh, Jack Quaid character disappearing at the end for so long, it's almost like it's too obvious that it's him because he goes down to get a beer and is gone for like half a day. <laughs> it's like they, they don't explain. They don't show, you know what I mean? There's no explanation for why he wouldn't have been right back up or, or follow him or something. So it did feel like, okay, he's one of the killers. But I thought that the reveal that, that Amber was one of the killers was a pretty, you know, like that moment where she shoots the girl was at least like a shock. I was like, oh, okay, well that's, yeah. that, that's the kind of surprising thing I expect to see in this kind of movie. But then it made me think about mechanically, like why did she choose to reveal that in this moment in front of all these people? Like, you know, anyway, it just, yeah, I don't know that their plan really made sense to me, but I think the right. bigger thing is you're right, that it doesn't seem like she could have pulled off. We said this before though. Um, uh, uh, Jill, was that the character's name in part Jill, four? Yeah, Jill Roberts. Uh, yeah. She, she didn't seem like she could have done half the stuff that she was supposed to have done in that movie either. Or, or, or her partner yeah, either. Right, right. <laughs> Right. The I mean, one. Yeah. yeah. At least Emma Watson has a commanding aura about her. Like, a I don't Emma think Roberts. she could. I mean, sorry, Emma Emma, did I say Emma Watson? Emma Roberts. Yeah. yeah. Um, she has like a commanding aura about her, even like Scream Queens. Like, she just has this vibe. Like, I still don't right. think she can lift a man off the ground, but she definitely seems like the kind of person that might kill somebody. I don't know. The, the other one, Amber, she was yeah. not it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of that doesn't work for me, also, and I think that's some of the big things that stand out to me. Um, like, I I really didn't like love. Uh, is, is is it Melissa Barrera, the, the the lead who played Sam? Right. Um, she was she was good. I mean, she's fine, but I think people around her were 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 better, which I think is not good. Um, but I just oh, man, I don't know. Dewey's death scene really messed me up, and. I think I think also this is another example where I was talking after the movie, like another uh, creative way that they like mislead by the trailers um, because there's a call in the trailer where like Ghostface calls Sydney and says it's an honor. And that line of dialogue is not in the movie the way the trailer cuts it. That yeah. line of dialogue is, you know, during Dewey's death. And I, I thought that was actually I thought that was pretty awesome. Um just, just not the mechanics of who who probably did that and why why it got to be that person to to off one of my favorite horror characters of all time. Is it a joke? Is it is this like a meta joke about horror movies that um 
that nobody like there's there's like a series of of like murders going on and one of the victims is in the hospital and like hospitals are left unattended with like lights <laughs> off right. and right. nobody working it's, there. it's energy savings mode yeah it's just but yeah. I, I was wondering like is that like is that just the horror movie that's what happens in hospitals in horror movies is they're abandoned yeah. and they're just like nobody's there and i was thinking is that like a a meta joke or is that just one of the like are we meant to you know how like in um is it Springwood? Is that where the Nightmare on Elm Street movies take place? Springfield? No. Springfield is... Uh, sp- I think it's Springwood, yeah. Springwood. Um, I'll check. That, like, it seems like that's a weird town where, like, okay, all the adults know about this crazy thing, but they don't tell their kids or something. You know, it's like, is Woodsboro a weird town where people just sort of, like, <laughs> when the killings start, we kind of clear out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like there's and a little bit of a joke no about parents, that. Yeah. No parents are around either right. in this whole movie, it seems yeah. like, except for Officer Judy or Deputy Sheriff Judy. Right. Oh, yeah, we didn't really talk about her. I kind of forget about that whole stretch of the movie where she and her son uh, yeah. get killed. But, um you know some of that. Some of the mechanics of that scene. I, I like thought, that scene. Actually. I thought the I thought suspense was there was was reasonably well done because you didn't really know yeah. what was going to happen to who. And then when the scene kept going, um, and you yeah. keep you keep thinking that the taser is going to come into play, but it was more like no, it's just a few inches out of reach, and therefore it never comes into play. Um, right. So, which is kind of you know chilling. And his his death, the the way he was stabbed into the neck. Oh my god, that was pretty gruesome. Brutal. Yeah. I feel like this movie definitely showed more violence. Like. All the movies have been violent, obviously, but this one, like up close and personal, showed more gore than just like blood. Yeah, yeah it's like. very, it's very violent, and I, and I, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like I, I like condone that, but like I, I like that this movie, like the way that the kills happened in terms of the pacing of them, and even just like, if if you think about the the people that die in this movie, like the the way they die is is, is very juxtaposed, like to the point of like who is doing those killings like the ones that happen super fast is that the boyfriend or you know what i'm saying like right. who, who is doing each because like there's a method it looks like based on who is doing it like one of them seems to do like a slower you know suffer kind of thing and the other kills are very like fast you know like the jab in the neck to the guy in the parking lot and just letting them bleed you know like it that got, that got a like, laugh for my audience. Like, like my audience actually like really? that was like the biggest reaction, honestly, in the whole movie was when that happened because people were like, "Oh my <laughs> god!" But also, kind of, you know how some people become like it becomes a joke. Like, yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't like this character, so we don't mind the fact that he's going. Oh. That he gets getting, <laughs> but yeah. like people were like that really set. I don't know. I was I I noticed that moment, but yeah, the quickness of that it felt like something kind of new, and the slowness of the the other injury felt like something kind of new. But I but yeah, it, like it, like Wes and Dewey and you know those kills were slow and yeah. like yeah, very hard to watch. You know, and some of them were not like even when you know the opening scene when he starts stabbing her like seven times. You know, like that's very fast and very just very like aggressive and. I'd be curious the breakdown of who did what kill. I'm sure that's out there somewhere, but um, I like the daytime. I, know, he, I like the daytime aspect of the kill with oh, the, yeah. with the, 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 was it sheriff? Judy. Was she, was she, sheriff sheriff? Judy. yeah, the sheriff Judy. Um, and I also thought similar to like the, 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 vending machine room at the hospital having Ghostface just kind of pop up. It's it's silly to picture Ghostface hiding behind the door waiting for that moment, but yeah. it's 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 a well-lit room. I don't know. I just love I love when Hard tries to like you know, break those rules that and say like okay, it can be just as scary if it's happening in a well-lit environment or it's it can be just as scary if it's if it's happening during the day. 
So I thought those the, those moments were good. The Judy one was very ballsy. Like Ghostface doesn't usually do that in the sidewalk. <laughs> like, yeah. like jump out. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. That was, yeah. and that felt, th- there was a brutality to that. You know, I, I wasn't even thinking, Steve, about breaking down who did what. I've always thought about that in, in relation to the mechanics of like, well, this person's here, and here so and someone's yeah, off yeah. doing the killing. But I never thought much about the sort of like, watch how that killer does their does their thing as something different. Um, but yeah. all we know for sure is that uh, Amber had lifts when she was when she was Ghostface. <laughs> yeah, I had to. I mean, is that just um, a joke of these movies though? Like, if we commented know, on this, if you if you talk to them, yeah. would they say yes? We've always thought that was sort of something that's just a cheat that we accept. You know, because they certainly don't try to make it plausible by having like, well, it could be funny if the people that were putting together, like comparing notes about their ghost face attacks were like, he was, what do you mean he was tall? <laughs> my, my ghost face was fucking short. <laughs> was super short, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's a good point. Uh, I, I, one other thing I wanted to mention real quick is I don't think it really gets enough attention. I mean, maybe over the years it has, but Roger Jackson, like the, the, the voice of ghost face, I just, I've always loved the way your that close personal kind of, friend roger jackson you mean? yeah close personal friend i have a video on my phone guys hey you wish me happy birthday um spontaneously I, i've always he did loved that. like the way they mo- he, like he he messes around with the ghost face voice you know like the yeah. way um and again playing into the idea of who's playing ghost face at a certain time or who's doing the calling at a certain time um i just really like the you know that opening scene how it starts out is just like a phone call to somebody's mother and it you can kind of feel the the voice kind of slowly changing over into a full on the one that we're used to and even some of the calls in the rest of the movie like there's there's more anger it sounds like in this ghost face uh in this movie which um which has always been uh, yeah absolutely like is much more identifiable in this movie from what we just discussed um about ghost face and you know the kills and just the, the overall tone of uh of these these killers um I don't know. I think it's like it's iconic, obviously. But I, I every time I hear that voice pop up, you know, even like the shot when they like turn on the voice, like they have the voice box like built into the mask in that one shot, it like mm-hmm. turns on. Just like so, such, I don't know, super cool. And I, I just, I think he's always up for the game. And uh, and you know, the idea that this movie was even shot during the pandemic is crazy. You know, and I know they shot this in Wilmington, North Carolina, but like listening to stories about him calling in from the West Coast and doing the scenes with the actors or with the directors and recording the voice in, in, in like the way they accomplished that to kind of make it sound different for each uh, of the killers was, I don't know. I'm always super interested in that kind of stuff. And he's, he's uh that voice is iconic. So I, I, I loved it. As soon as it, as soon as you hear it kick in, in the opening, you're kind of thrown off a little bit when it's just like a voice, but you know, it's that guy's voice, you know, it's, it's Roger Jackson's speaking voice, you know what I mean? And, and, and then it kind of slowly falls into, you know, that iconic sound. Well, I think it's very creepy that he does the slow build towards the, yeah, towards like the reveal to her that he's, that he's not just this normal guy, but of course, yeah. yeah. So, but we're watching it knowing that it's him. So it is, it is an interesting like tension to have where it's like, when's, when's he going to start to show his fangs a little bit more or when, you know, she, he, whichever one of them it is at that point. But um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't Lauren, know how we signal to Ronald to come back. I don't know. Anything Let's, else before we bring Ronald back on. in, Lauren? That that's spoilery or that you want to get off your chest? No, I'm just really bitter. <laughs> just so really, Steve, really bitter. So, Steve, hey, hey there, there, there's probably going to be another one. This movie, you know, already it's not the same. It's not the same. 
it's not the same, but I'm just saying there's going to probably be another one. And maybe that's the goal is that maybe he's the big, maybe he's the big end of the whole two trilogies. I don't know. Maybe. Hashtag Dewey didn't die. He did it. (laughs) Dewey Dewey didn't do it. He died. But the next movie could be hashtag Dewey didn't die. He did it. <laughs> oh, shit. No, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Oh, he, no, his you guts you, were on the floor. His guts were laying on the you, floor. You, you didn't see him like, like, I saw this. I was watching really closely. He yeah, leans yeah, up course, and he yeah. winks and gives a thumbs up to the oh, camera shit. right right before like, it cuts Like, go away. on, guys. Yeah. yeah. Right. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, oh, well. we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll keep coming back for screen movies, obviously. There's right. no, there's nothing that's going to keep me from seeing one. I will hate watch them if they get that bad, but I'll still watch them. So they got me, but I'm just, I am bitter. I can't get over it. I can't accept it. Just, oh, you know what else was good? <laughs> I love Heather Matarazzo's cameo. That was great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I'm glad cute. we got to see her. I mean, I, I thought that that was sort of a loose end from the third movie that they never really, like that she is a, she is a legacy person they can bring back. And so it was good that they did. But it did it did start making you think, oh, who else is going to pop back up that, you know, that didn't. Um, right. So why not everybody and like move over for the next. <laughs> like, why? Like, why keep this going? Why well, do this to me? What we're really it saying feels is personal. Well, it feels personal because Matthew Lillard also did when they did the Scooby-Doo movie, they got Will Forte to do the voice of uh, Shaggy. And it's like Matthew yeah. Lillard. He keeps getting passed over. Yeah. But he keeps doing know. the circuit. Like he's at every convention for Scream. Yeah. It's kind of like he's always talking. Him and Skeet are like always on every podcast I subscribe to be talking about Scream. <clears throat> um, they should have been together in this one. It just, I can't that, get that over it. That would actually, yeah, that would have been awesome. I got to, I got to, I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, like it, it would have been an interesting, it would have been interesting. I read um, an article that said like it couldn't have happened because I guess they felt like if they had to reintroduce Stu, that would have taken away from other like storyline and they felt that that would cheapen it. But like, I completely feel the opposite. Like he brought this toddler in to kill Dewey and like, <laughs> could have had Stu like, and had the leg, the whole legacy cast return. And I don't know. Yeah. I'll never get over. I won't get over it. I like, I like, I like the idea John mentioned earlier, like the idea of possibly that, that seed planted that there could be something going on with Sam. And that, like, maybe, you know, if the idea was that the next screen film, you know, we're following our final girl, but our final girl is the killer, you know, that that might be. And like she cool finds idea. him and like they're a team like they, him and Billy were a team. That's the only thing that's going to get me through this. <laughs> I'm hanging on by a thread. So where is Stu? What's Stu been up to before we bring Ronald back in? What do you what do you think Stu's been doing? She I don't know, him. but how did he stay hidden? And how did nobody know that he wasn't dead and buried? I don't care about these things. I'm just saying. Minor like, details. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that other, any other horror movie would bring back any other dead person. Like, let's just, right. you know, go for it. Scream. Go for it. He's obviously been hiding, reconstructing his face, harnessing his skills. <laughs> Or I no, don't know. he's just got a TV for a head. <laughs> <laughs> the best part, no, he's actually been, he's living in that house. There's like a secret room <laughs> in a wall somewhere. Mm-hmm. He actually like survived and he's living in his house still. People just don't know. He's there kind of like a parasite type deal. You know, yeah. like he's there. Um, somebody's in on it with him, knew what was happening and just been feeding him for 25 years. <laughs> I mean... That way they hey, can, shit ha- yeah, they can, they they can right? comment I mean, on Parasite. I think that works. There you go. Works. Let's do it. They can't use that um, house again. That's another thing. They can't, yeah. like, if he comes back, they can't use that house again. Like, they've, they've blown it. 
I'm not getting over this, guys. I'm, I'm like not getting <laughs> this is over it. where she it. flips the laptop up and you hear somebody <laughs> crying in the background. Every time you guys bring up some other thing, it reminds me of another thing that I cannot get over. Like I can't, I can't move past it. Oh man. That's okay. that have been so cool too. Like, isn't it great that you guys are friends with the person who lives in my house? Like, ah, could have yeah. been amazing. Or he, anyway, even, so he maybe, even spirals out because he's basing it around like who hangs out at this house. You know what I mean? Like the, the plan could be that, you know, it could be totally based on who's in the house. <clears throat> yeah. But we got Billy. should have made this movie. <laughs> well, we got Billy Loomis's. I mean, the, the idea that that's the connection. I think that's what they were trying to do with that was like, let's connect yeah. to Billy through this character and let's connect to Stu through the house. Like, I think that was yeah, the intention. That's it. But it felt Definitely. like Stu got short shrift. You know, in, com- in in favor. You of know, Bella. I do like the reveal of the house. Like we, we were seeing it, like yeah, like Lauren, Aaron, like no one really picked up on it, but like immediately, I was like, "That's Stu's house." Like, because you, you know, they're showing certain sections of it, like the white fence, the staircase, like, and you know, even when the character, the one of the twins, goes outside and walks around the side, you can just remember yeah. that geography from the first movie. And when she gets there, she sees it on the GPS. She says what it is, and then they show the wide shot of the front. Like that's, I like that. Like mm-hmm. I like how they slowly. They definitely intentionally didn't show it from certain angles to like keep it for as long. It wasn't until like, I think you said something with the fence, but then like you saw the side of the steps on the inside and then it was like, yeah, yeah, because they didn't show like the kitchen. They didn't show a certain, I think it was when, um, I forget her name, but the, the Meeks twin was watching, um, Halloween and, oh, did you notice she was like sort of wearing the same outfit as Randy, like the same color scheme. Yeah. Um, like that scene it wasn't she's watching it, stab right well i'm sorry watching stab like how he was watching halloween and like right. it 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 wasn't the exact same angle so that you couldn't tell exactly where she was but then yeah. obviously after the reveal you're like oh my god it's like she's in the house yeah. well i i could t- i felt like even before it was confirmed for me that it, this is the house i could tell they were trying to remind us of that of that section of that movie with just the framing and him, you know, the different characters, the way they were that it, 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 it felt like, Oh, they're paying homage to that type of house and that, that climax of that movie. And then as it slowly dawned on me, kind of what Steve was saying, I just noticed certain parts of things. I was like, Oh yeah, this actually feels like it's the same. It's the house. So, you know, yeah. when, by the time he was saying, I'll, you know, I'm going to get a beer in the basement and they were looking at that angle. It's like, Oh, this is very clearly, you know, just a different era of the same, the same layout. So, yeah. Yeah. I kind of agree with you, Lauren. When 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 it's like you know they can't use that again, it's a little bit of a bummer. It's like, oh well, they they did the house. So, you know. But I you wanna stay in that Airbnb thing they have if that if it's real. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Did you did I you know what I realized too, Steve? I don't did you stay to the very end, John? Did you watch the end credits? There's mm-hmm. not an end credit scene, but was there something for um like you know how they show the pictures of the cast? Was there yeah, something what, for Wes? It said uh, at the end, it, didn't it say for Wes? I think that's it. In the party scene that I and I loved all that too, like all the all the stuff referencing him and like you know no, obviously I honoring him like on the screen at the end. Didn't I didn't I thought something was at the end of like when they showed the cast. I thought somebody posted about it. it was there? Oh, uh, maybe. I don't. Uh, right. I didn't. I don't think there was anything in the in the post credit. Or, okay, you know. I, kn- I knew there wasn't like a scene, but I didn't know if there was any kind of little like memoriam thing. I thought we might have missed something. Hmm. I-, I sort of waited around and then I realized it's like Scream has never done post credit yeah. scenes. Why would they start <laughs> now, you know, with this? Yeah. Um, 
And then, so then I looked it up online and I left uh, because there's that site after the credits where you can just. Mm. Or mediastinger.com. You can cheat. Yeah. You can cheat. Uh, Sometimes a a guy's got to pee and, you know, and it's like, well, I'm like, I don't know. That's a different website, John. That's a different website. Sometimes a guy's got to pee. (laughs) No, there's this website. No, I know. What what minute marker to leave the movie to to pee if you have to pee. Right. Seriously? And uh, yeah, definitely. And you've never shared that with me that I always Well, no, because you go 17 times before the movie starts. So I figured you're good. I think I've told you that when I saw the movie Lincoln, I felt so bad because I had to pee. And I finally just, I, there was a part where Lincoln was looking out the window. And I was like, well, maybe he's going to look out that window for a while. And I just ran to the bathroom and I came back. And I'm sure it was a different scene, but Lincoln was looking out the window when I, <laughs> when yeah, yeah, I came I back. Nothing. I was like, oh, he literally stared out the window while I, to give me a chance to pee. <clears throat> They should do that within movies more. Like, let a character be like, I'm just going to lay down for a nap. Did everybody get that? I'll be down for <laughs> three minutes. All right, I'm going to set the alarm right here. You know, and then, every, you know, it's it's a good time to go. That's actually a good idea. <clears throat> I feel like I always have to try to go before the, the movie starts, but then it never fails that I will miss something. I didn't this time, but I will miss you, something. You, you almost did. I yes, I almost did. I like literally ran to the bathroom in the very beginning of the movie to hurry back. But remember when we went to see Transformers and I missed the entire highway roller skating, the biggest action sequence in the movie. I couldn't wait anymore. Great timing. Great timing. Always, always. If it's anything I'm good at, it's timing and punctuality. (laughs) I sent Ronald a message to come back. I don't know. I think he may have fallen asleep. Well, we'll talk him another a, couple minutes I, and give him a chance to come I back. I sent him a note real quick. Uh, oh, there he there is. There he is. Yay. Hey. Yeah, Ronald, we were just talking about uh, needing to pee before a movie or during a movie, and mm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you have needs. I was just going to say to Lauren, like, because I tried to do what you do, Lauren. I tried to go, I always try to go right before the movie, but what usually happens is, like, somewhere in the early part of the trailers, I'll be like, I don't need to see this trailer again. And so I go to the bathroom, but then there's like two or three more trailers, and I'm like, I don't think I got it all. I gotta go That's back. Me. I gotta go back to the bathroom, and so it's like we're that. kindred spirits. Yeah, we're kindred spirits. I can't. I, you know what it is? It's like nerves because I know I'm going to be in a situation where I don't want to go. Same thing happens when I have to get on boats, which is yeah. rare because I don't like boats. But whenever I get on a boat, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to have to go to the bathroom while we're out at sea. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? <laughs> that is, you're exactly right. It's like not no, wanting I'm, to deal with no, that it. moment in the middle of whatever you're doing where you have to go to the bathroom you're like if there's any way i can not have to deal with that then i'll i'll do it so yes yeah. i run back and forth like three times sometimes before a movie what about you ronald yep. you got a bladder of steel or do you have Same. to oh i have that what you just described is my whole existence <laughs> i just like constantly you, going pee yeah you go before you're peeing you're like, right I'm, now, I think. I'm ready yeah absolutely i have like <laughs> a little catheter in another <laughs> can that i've put down here and i'm once I sit but, down in the theater, I do not get up. He doesn't. It's so weird. It's so weird. What do you weird. do? I just, Why do you I store know, the just, pee? Just don't pee. Well, I, I also take very, 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 very long pees. Like, think Tom Hanks, League mm. of Their Own level type stuff. So it's, 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 more, uh, it's less frequent, but, you know, a longer I'm, experience. I'm more Tom Hanks in the Green Mile when I'm peeing. <laughs> yeah. it's, like a str- you- it's like a struggle. A lot of sounds. <laughs> I mean, not to not to do some insider ball thing, but do you do you talk to your penis like Tommy Lee in that show? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not to that point yet. I'm just like I'm more psyching myself. I like you don't need to go to the bathroom. You want to watch this movie? 
Mm. And then when I get home, I'm really sick, but it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Your eyes are like yellow. It'll catch up with me in a decade or so, but it'll all have been worth it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the Batman's three hours long, so I, you know, let's see yeah. how, how we handle this. No, that's what three happens. hours. I, see, that's what happens yeah, to me. Hours. I read that. I read that, and I, I instantly start you're being nervous. Like, I'm, I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, I got to start going to the bathroom now <laughs> to get ready for that movie. <laughs> I got to prep for March. I'm gonna go pee. <laughs> so much right now mm. now when they said endgame was like three hours and 33 minutes i was like i'm just gonna have to like i'm just gonna have to like wear diapers you know and just yeah, miss, yeah. <laughs> you know like, normalize wearing diapers right right yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a viable option yeah it is. it is it really is and should be for all of us <clears throat> what brand do you have one right now ronald i mean why don't we promote them while we're on the podcast the diaper um <laughs> huggies Huggy Supreme. Nice, nice, it's nice. Like the maximum moisture capture. You know, twelve no hours si of protection. Twelve hours, no side leakage. Mm, so I'm, zero. I'm, I'm pretty in there. I'm ready. Super comfortable. I like Super it. Comfortable. Super. Comfortable. Um. So, uh, Lauren, just hang out for a moment. We're gonna do a couple quick things. You know, to close the podcast out. But uh, was there anything else review wise you guys wanted to mention before we wrap up the episode? Hotel Transylvania, we we saw that, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't get to talk about it last week. Uh, this this is another one that like kind of came. It was initially theatrical, then it was bought by Amazon. It's another one of the Sony movies that got bought by Amazon. Mm -hmm. Came out on Amazon Prime last Friday. Mm -hmm. um, the weirdest thing about this movie for me, which like from the jump, I I don't really like the movie that much uh, at all. Um, I, I like the other films enough, but I mean, I think the weirdest thing and it stands out like a sore thumb to me is that Adam Sandler and Kevin James do not voice the characters in this movie that they voiced in the other three films. Did you guys realize that or did you know that? I, I noticed it immediately. Right. I was like, this isn't Adam Sandler. This is like a person impersonating. What? what how does that happen? Like, I guess it, they're, they're past like the three mark they're, and he's just like, I'm out. Yeah, apparently, apparently he's getting some residual pay from the the franchise itself, but they 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 booted him after that. Apparently, I, I mean, this I, is a I, billion dollar. This is a billion dollar franchise. The these films have a billion dollars worldwide. Like, them. why would you dip out on that? I mean, he's like Mister Netflix Payday does mm. a cool movie every ten years and then has Hotel Transylvania. I don't know. It, it's just it's just I don't know. It, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but just to mention, like, you know, my daughter thought it was really fun and great. You know, it was super cute. She's watched it a couple of times, but it's it's um I, I genuinely like the first two, you know, of these okay. movies. And I think that it's kind of at a point now where it's just kind of running out of steam, the idea in this movie that they kind of get turned into humans and then back and forth. But uh, which is, I guess, fun, but it just doesn't have the humor and something is said for not having. Adam Sandler and Kevin James, you know, whether you like them or not, like they belong, I think, in this franchise. And the characters, I think, don't don't really feel the same to me well, I mean, uh, without it's them. It's also the first one not directed by Gendy, uh, Gendy Tartakovsky, yeah. which is like, if you yeah. know him, you know that the name Gendy Tartakovsky usually denotes a certain kind of like quality quality and like yeah. just a filmic uh cinematic style like his, his i don't know he's, he's he, the guy behind samurai jack and um i believe he started out on powerpuff girls is that what he saw or was it dexter's laboratory it was one of those anyway very 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 visually stylized stuff and he did samurai jack and um 
he did those great Clone Wars animated shorts that were out around the time of the Star Wars prequels. So he's just someone yeah. who is very good with kinetic action. And these movies have always, I've always felt like, yeah, there's something about them. They're funny. They're a little bit of a notch above some of the other kiddie fare because it seems so com- comedian focused. And it really yes. seems like it's allowed to be a little bit more, sometimes more juvenile, but just a little bit less like squeaky uh, clean family stuff. It's got a little bit of that Adam yeah. Sandler vibe. And uh, yeah, so I don't know if there's just maybe this is that point in the franchise where it starts diluting. <laughs> I, you know, I, um, I yeah, I, I agree. This was not the, this was nowhere near the the fun of the other movies, but I never saw the third one. So I don't know if it, if it fell off as well. I mean, it's definitely stepped down as it went on, but this, I can see like in a pandemic marketplace where like, even though some of these movies that eventually come out, these, you know, I think that, Sing 2 was like the first animated or family movie that hit 100 million in the whole pandemic, you know, just now, you know, and you're talking about Pixar movies going directly to Disney Plus and, you know, the movies that Disney, Disney Animation has put out haven't been able to crack the 100 million mark and not that this one have done it, but a quality question, you know, a marketplace question and then they sell it to Amazon. So it makes a little sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Wasn't really a big fan of it. Did you guys see anything else before we get out of here? Did you want to mention Ronald? Did you watch anything um, uh, fun and exciting? I'm I'm watching the two new shows, uh, Grand Crew and Avid Elementary, that are on. Oh, ABC. Avid Elementary is yeah. great. Yeah. Oh man, Crew. So yeah, Grand Crew is like if you like Friends, or it's a little heightened. It's about a group of friends that drink wine, and you know, in this setting, they they talk about their lives at the time and it's the characters are really dynamic and funny and it's just good to see some a sitcom that's funny you know it's weird like it's there are not a lot of funny sitcoms and then Abbott Elementary and Grand Crew come along and super funny so that's all I'd suggest really yeah Abbott Elementary they did that weird thing like where it was like an episode or two came out like two months ago and then, yeah. and now it's hit its run where it's coming out on uh, what network is it on? Is it ABC? I believe ABC, ABC, and then it hits Hulu, right? Yep. Right. So, um, so yeah, I've watched like the first, I think, three or four episodes of it, and um, I think it's great. Yes. Yeah. Quinta Brunson, it, BuzzFeed, right? Uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you've seen her, but she's super funny, man. And I feel like I'm investing in this like future of like a Mindy Kaling or definitely Nina Dunham or T- totally uh, Issa Rae. Like it just feels like her empire is about to start. She's and she was on. Uh, I don't know if you listened to Seth Rogen's podcast, but she was on one of the first it was couple so episodes good. of of. And she was on there talking about how she met Paul Rudd. Pa- the Paul Rudd story yeah, was just, so good. Wasn't that it like story a- itself is like just worth the listen. But she's yeah. amazing. I mean, she's hilarious. And she's like, you you definitely are rooting for her. And when this show comes out, you're just like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like you just said, latch on, promote, you know, like this show is really funny. It's so good, man. Um, I haven't watched anything else, man. I, I've the Yellow Jackets finished up. Once you guys all finish that, we can I talk can't wait about to that. Finish maybe. It. I can't yeah. wait to see it. Um, but i um, excited to talk about that maybe next time. But I think that's all we got, man. Um, yeah. MoviesReview.com is the website. You can hit up the YouTube channel. What is the YouTube channel address? Like, yeah, Ronald, it's, it's, it's movie, movie Pod. Movie Movie Pod. Movie Movie Podcast. Oh, podcast. Movie is it podcast? 
We don't even know. Just go to YouTube and try <laughs> to find Just go to us. YouTube, goddammit. I dare you to try to find us on we there. Promise Just look it there. up. Just look it up. Don't be a jerk. Just look it up. Don't be a fool. Yeah. Let me check. Let me check real quick while we're looking. Uh you could just go to the moviesmovie.com and just link to it from there. It's all it's all there. yeah, it's movie yeah, movie podcast. Okay. YouTube.com slash movie movie podcast. It's long, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's, it's worth it. Yeah, I promise you. Especially this episode since Lauren joined us. Yes. For, uh, thank you so much. Yeah. The back half. It's so always so great to have you. Yeah. Thanks Absolutely. for thanks for coming on, Lauren, again. And uh, thanks for Brian, allowing me to invite myself. To you. If, if you're watching the YouTube feed, you'll see that Lauren also goes by Brian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, are you wearing a screen? Are you wearing a themed shirt? I saw. I think you I know. Saw, oh, there you you go. know. I'm wearing a themed shirt. No, I just. I was like, you know, what better shirt to wear? <laughs> Of my pajama shirts, because I am in pajamas mm. right now. So mm. I like to sleep in a horror movie shirt. I feel like my dreams are better. I have a lot of horror mm. shirts to sleep in. It's like a talisman. So. It protects you from whatever might attack during your dreams. Right. <laughs> it doesn't always work, but, yeah. you know. But oh, no, man. thanks for letting me invite myself again. Oh, anytime. Yeah, sure. You're welcome. For anytime. I, will, <laughs> I will do it again. It will, it will not. It'll continue. <laughs> All right, cool. So we'll be back next week. I'm not sure what we're doing next week. We have some new shows, some new movies that we've had access to. I'm not sure if we're going to talk about them, maybe talk a little more Peacemaker, maybe talk some Yellow Jackets if we can all get that done. Um, but um, we're going to talk, talk about the Cosby. About, yeah. We're going to talk about the Cosby Doc series, and we'll probably talk about is, is Pam and Tommy uh, open then? Yes. Next week. Yeah. So we'll talk about that as well. Uh, some newness, just a bunch of new stuff next week. Um, yeah. Again, moviefreview.com. Find find that site for us. Please subscribe to the podcast. Share it. Like it. Review it. Rate it if there's any of those options on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this. And maybe you're listening to this on Facebook because we all share this every time it comes out because you can listen to podcasts directly on Facebook now. Um, and if you're doing it there, just share it or like it or repost it, whatever you can do to help get the word out. Um, we're trying to get um, five people to listen to the podcast. So if you can help us, we would really appreciate it. Oh, please. Um, no whammies. But we'll, we'll see you guys next week. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.